Welcome to the Common Good Podcast, a conversation about the significance of place, eliminating economic isolation, and the structure of belonging. My name is Rabbi Miriam Turlenchamp, and I'm the host for today's episode with Peter Block. Last episode, we started a series of six episodes focusing on the sixth conversation from Peter Block's work. We began with the invitation conversation, and today we will focus on the possibility conversation. The final four conversations for the next four episodes are ownership, dissent, commitment, and gifts. These conversations are designed to occur in small groups, seeking to produce transformation in communities. Because the primary tool within these conversations is powerful questions, we'd like to once again start this episode with a question. So take a breath with me and consider this question. What is the crossroads you're at at this stage in your life? What is the crossroads you're at at this stage in your life? Peter describes this as the best opening question for possibility. The question again, what is the crossroads you're at at this stage in your life? Take a breath and hold that answer in your mind as you begin to listen to Peter. When I show up in the world, I feel no matter who I was with an hour ago, I'm still showing up alone. And it's a world that, that loves the patriarchy of autonomy. I'm a self-made person. And so every time I show up, I kind of feel alone. Every time I go to a meeting, I say, what the hell am I doing here? Even though I wanted to go and I knew it would change my life, I still had to say, what am I doing here? Am I crazy? What's wrong with me? To bring people together with peers soon with a personal question helps my listening because I no longer feel so alone. I don't feel so crazy. And if I'm really smart, I'll decide there's nothing wrong with me. I did not come here as an act of self-improvement. So that's the reason for the small group. We need each other. And the level of experience and wisdom and depth in a group like this is stunning. But my goal is to say, every time you go somewhere, if you don't rearrange the room, you shouldn't be in there. If you don't reconstruct how people talk to each other and the depth in which they're able to talk, then what are you doing there? And so I'm just trying to make this accessible. On the surface, none of us have anything in common. And the deeper you go, and so people say, well, what's the work about? Well, why are we here? Is it just to form a community? Well, we're here to find a way to deepen people's sense of humanity. And no matter who you're with, if you get beneath the surface of their opinions and their point of view and their action plans and who they like and who they don't like, none of those conversations have any power because they don't get us connected. And the notion these days when we're supposed to be divided, I'm not divided. I just don't share my opinions with people unless I've been drinking or restless or something. And so there are powerful speech acts, such as making a declaration, like I'm declaring what I'm committed to, making a request for anytime anybody ever complains to you again, which is exhausting. Just ask them, could you turn that into a request? A request is a powerful speech act. I can't live without telling the world what I want. I can live without getting it. And so requests are powerful. Refusal is powerful. The judge can send you to jail. You're guilty. That's powerful. You're now married. That's powerful. Opinions have no power. They don't take you anywhere. 
all they do is distance me away. And if somebody shares my opinion, I may feel closer for a moment. And so you just say, I'm not here to give opinions, judgments. The question, what are we going to do about this, is only good when you've only got five minutes left together. It doesn't take you very far. And so all of these questions are designed that in the construction of the question, you're asking yourself and others to be accountable for something. And so the questions are, what's the no you've been postponing? What's your contribution to the problem? Somebody complains to me. I say, well, what's your role in this? All of these are questions, if answered, people can do something about. They can co-create the world. If you say, what's the resentment you have that nobody knows? Holy cow, get out of here. But if I answer that question, my resentment no longer owns me. If I can tell three other people, know them or not, what I resent that nobody knows about, unexpressed resentment, unexpressed means it owns me. Why does therapy work? Well, therapy is just going to a friend who you have to pay, damn it. And basically what you want from that friend is to help you say into words what you've been keeping inside. And your job in the world is to help people put into words. When you work in an organization, most of the speech acts are not powerful. How do we get here? Can we go over our history? Where do we come from? I know where you came from. You came from the first amoeba that climbed out of the ocean. Now, what are we doing here? PowerPoints earlier, all of that is distance making. Colonial in nature, it means that somebody has something in mind for us and they're trying to figure out how to get us on board. All of that consumes energy and it doesn't take us anywhere. So each of these questions, whether it's possibility or invitation or commitment, gifts, if we have that, if that's on the table, we're going somewhere together. People would ask me to intervene when people were disagreeing. So I made my living. Thank God, organizations are siloed, right? I had to get a real job, you know. And so you get together and I say, well, I need to talk to each of them first before we have a session between marketing, engineering and everything. Now it's product development, IT and AI. And luckily I made a living. All I had to know was the initials of what they stood for. I never know what anybody did. I would ask them a question. Do you want to be right or do you want to work it out? I didn't care what they said. If they said, I want to be right, I'd say, then hire a lawyer. I can't help you. So you're going to be in the room mostly with people that want to work something out. And these questions are a way to work something out because they ask people to be accountable. In each and every question, I ask you to act as someone who's choosing the world choosing their life and our inhumanity is the fact we don't have space for freedom. We're overwhelmed with the desire for safety. The other thing I wanted to highlight was the notion of context. Context is a distinction about what beliefs I want to operate under. The context for most organizational life, the church, the academy, businesses, not-for-profits, it doesn't matter. The context is one of colonialism. How do we measure? What's the roadmap like? People have these silly beliefs. They have the belief that somehow if people aren't given an incentive, they won't do anything. The people are basically lazy. And if we don't have a pay system, so the context is one of consistency, control, and predictability. In the context of consistency, predictability, and control, our relationship is irrelevant. It has to be endured. The earlier years, people would even say, 
uh, don't get too close to your people because someday you may have to fire them. Well, that's a context. It's a context of management, of order. And therefore, having these conversations in that context feels very risky. What you are doing by being here is entering and reinforcing an alternative context that most of you are living into. It's just sometimes you can't do anything. Many times I've been in a corporate or controlled or religious setting, and I realize there's nothing for me to say. All my failures, most of them, at work anyway, because I said yes to someone, I said, stay away from it. And the cues are always there. Peter, would you come give a talk? And I said, what about? They said, we have a list of things we don't want you to talk about. Okay, you, you spent half your career knocking performance reviews. Well, we just instituted a new performance appraisal system. So if you come, don't talk about it. They paid me a lot of money. I said, who am I to say? I still regret that. It was a, it was a horrible session. They played music as I walked up on the stage. I thought, who the hell am I? Hail to the chief, really? I'm a kid from Kansas, leave me alone. So my failures are what I put myself in situations where I knew what I had to say was a context there was no support for. And then your context is one where connection matters. Connection has to do with listening. It's a context where relationships matter. It's a context not of consistency, but where surprise is tolerated and allowed. It's a context where you can say no and not lose your seat at the table. It's not a loyalty oath you took. It's a context where we can talk about a possibility that's unreachable. But in the talking about it, we bring that possibility into the room. It's a context where if we leave without a list, we will not be destroyed. Whereas mm -hmm. we care more about depth than we do about speed. These are elements of context and, and you'll find your own language to say, here's what we're here for. And then you will express the reason you showed up or the commitment that you are, or the possibility that you are. And you say, for the next hour, I wanna change the way we are together. Well, who the hell are you? Well, there's some reason they let you in. I said, you let me in the door, come on. And so that's the context that we're trying to create for the six sessions together. And we're trying to do it not only by questions, not only by my talking, but by the design of the experience. We come together, we have a poem, we have music. Without art, there is no transformation, none. Without being with a stranger, I'm in trouble. And so possibility is a stance on the question. At this point, we invite you to take a breath and bring back to mind your answer to the crossroads question. As you listen to this poem by Wendell Berry, allow your answer to continue to take shape and form. The poem is called, There's No Going Back. No, no, there's no going back. Less and less you are that possibility you were. More and more you've become those lives and deaths that have belonged to you. You've become a sort of grave, containing much that was and is no more in time, beloved then, now, and always. And so you've become a sort of tree standing over a grave. Now more than ever, you can be generous toward each day that comes, young, to disappear forever, and yet remain unaging in the mind. 
Every day you have less reason not to give yourself away. As we return, Peter continues discussing the possibility conversation. Business case for what we're doing is to create a process or methodology for creating a future distinct from the past. And for a world that says we don't need an alternative future, a different way of being together, deeper accountability, deeper connection, let it go. Whenever people talk about reform, what they're saying is no to an alternative future. Most reform efforts make things a little bit better, perhaps. We've had school reform, healthcare reform, prison reform, police reform. That's the first thought, is that we're here, in a sense, to create a, a different future than the one I inherited or have lived in. To do that, I have to imagine that it's possible, even though not predictable. I asked Walter, my Old Testament friend, why did it take the Jews 400 years to walk out, to strike Exodus across the Red Sea? They said they couldn't imagine being free. And so all transformation is linguistic. It's all a shift in language. That's what we're trying to embody here, language in terms of structure, how we are together, the fact you'll spend as much time with each other almost as we spend like this, hopefully. And the first conversation really is possibility. What's the possibility I am a stance for is the question. And a possibility is not a goal. It's not an objective. And it's not something you're going to reach. If you pick something you're going to reach, then you're just engaged in reform and making life a little better. If you care about transformation and an alternative future, not an alternative business. We're not asking anybody to change why they're in business. Perhaps a little bit we like the private sector to balance it out a little bit with profit and short-term results, but that's just chat. The ground for possibility, when you use this in the world, start with the crossroads question. Because when I ask you, what's the crossroads you're at, at this stage of your life, ask yourself that question. The power of the crossroads question is not, what am I going to do? It's the fact that I've constructed my moment as if I have a choice in my life. And so We answer the crossroads. So out of that crossroads, you say, what's the possibility that emerges that I am a stance for? And that means that whenever I come in the room, that's the possibility. My possibility for a long time was a reconciled community because I'm living in a very alienated. Now, did I reconcile the community? Probably not. I don't know. But I knew that whenever I walked in the room, the possibility of a reconciled Cincinnati, possibility of racial equity, whatever, the possibility of people being most fully who they are, that pot walks in with you. So it has a chance because you declared it, not because you planned it. What's the possibility that occurs to me now that I am a stance for in the world? And try to find language that makes your hair stand up. This is no time to be reasonable. And then the other people can respond by either, why does that matter to you? Or tell you, here's what struck me about your possibility. Don't ever ask for feedback on anything that matters to you. You want to know what stood out to people, what touched you. I need to know from you what touches you about the possibility I am. And that can help me make that statement even stronger and more powerful. Now, I must say, this is the vaguest question you'll ever get in this series. So if you don't know what the hell I'm talking about, tell me, and I'll take your side. If you're thinking, what are you talking about, you idiot? 
I will say, good point. Can I stand next to you and we'll ask that idiot what he's talking about? The ambiguity of questions allows me to enter them. The personalness of questions allows me to show up. And the uh, anxiety associated with a question means I'm doing something useful. What's the possibility you are a stance for in the world or in the room you enter? Not this moment. What's the possibility you are? What matters? What's the future that you want to see? And then the other people say, here's what touched me about what you just said. Here's what was powerful about what you just said. And keep working on your statement until you say, okay, uh, there's something there that I can work with. And then what will happen anyway is you'll talk about whatever means something to you. Part of what you bring in your effort to humanize workplaces and churches and and schools and buildings is your willingness to confront people with questions like, so what is the possibility you're a stance for individually? We're not looking for a common vision. We're not looking for a common goal. We'll do that later. We're doing it now. But we're saying we want to see when we come in the room, what are the possibilities that are present? Thanks for listening. You can find more about the conversation in his books, Community, Structure of Belonging, in the show notes. This episode has been hosted by me, Rabbi Miriam Terlinchamp, and is being produced by the amazing Joey Taylor. And the music is from Jeff Gorman.